This is Austin Michaels. And um, I am doing uh, a series on prophecy and how prophecy proves that the Bible is true. And in my opinion, it's the best evidence for the scriptures. And, and the best evidence I can give you to have faith in Jesus Christ. We are in season 8. And um, the first uh, episode was Exodus chapter 12. And um, Exodus chapter 12 was on the uh, Passover lamb. And today we are doing proofs from Isaiah 53. Now, um, the scroll I am quoting from is 1Q Isaiah, and it dates around 125 BC. This is the Dead Sea Scroll from Qumran Cave 1. Also, we have another scroll, the 4Q56 Isaiah Scroll, that dates from 50 to 25 BC. And we have two other scrolls, 4Q57 and 4Q58, that date around 30 to 68 AD. All four of these scrolls have Isaiah 53 in them. Um, and uh, the uh, one Q has all of Isaiah 53 in them. The one with the entire book of Isaiah, including the entire chapter of 53, dates from 125 BC. This is important since for a very long time the Jewish teachers always said that Christians made up Isaiah 53. These scrolls prove that we now have recorded scrolls from Isaiah that predate Christianity about 150 years. So no longer can it be said that Christians made up Isaiah 53. <clears throat> so in in, to begin, let's do a review on Exodus chapter 12. Um, we went over the ritual that God had the Jews keep. The Jews were required to slay a lamb on Nisan 14th. This festival is called the Passover. We talked about how the lamb was prophetic, representing Jesus Christ. As the lamb was killed and spilt its blood on Nisan 14th, so Christ was slain and killed on Nisan 14th. And Jesus' blood was spilt to satisfy the Father's wrath, which um, in the Passover, the lamb's blood was laid on the doorposts, which kept them from the wrath of God, the firstborn son dying. 
Now we will discuss Isaiah 53, which talks about a man who apparently is considered guilty as a substitute for Israel. I will not be able to explain everything Isaiah 53. For time's sake, But I will point out things I think are the best proof we have available in relation to Exodus chapter 12. Also the, the idea that the Passover lamb was a type of a man is also foreshadowed in Isaiah's prophecy. Therefore was not made up by Christians. Um, the idea that Annual sacrifice was it, and then Christians made up human sacrifice when it comes to uh, Judaism is actually fully disproved in Isaiah 53. So here's Isaiah 53, um, and this is uh, what I will read to you is from 125 BC, translated into English from Hebrew. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of Yahweh been revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no good looks or majesty when we see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering, and acquainted with disease. He was despised as one from whom men hide their face, and we didn't respect him. Surely he bore, bore our sickness and carried our suffering, yet we considered him plagued, struck by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us our peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, everyone has turned to his own way, and Yahweh has laid on him the iniquity of a soul. He was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted he didn't open his mouth, as a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and as a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he didn't open his mouth. He was taken away by oppression and judgment, and as for this his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, and stricken for the disobedience of my people. They made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich men, rich people in his death. Although he had done no violence, nor was any seat in his mouth, yet he pleased Yahweh to bruise him. He was caused he, he has caused him to suffer. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he will see his offering, he will prolong his days. And Yahweh's pleasure will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light and be satisfied. My righteous servant will justify many by the knowledge of himself. Then he will bear their iniquities, therefore I will give him a portion with the great, and he will divide the plunder with the strong, because it poured out his soul to death, and was counted with transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many, and made intercession for transgressors.
in verse um, 1, point 1, here's point 1 from that passage. In verse 1, the prophet explains in seemingly astonishment who is going to listen to this, to this specific message about the Messiah being revealed, referring to the arm of Yahweh. Point two, it says this this man has no good looks according to verse two. Um, and we I say Messiah because it is for Jesus Christ, but let's keep going. Point three, this man, and it, Isaiah calls him, him, it refers to him, until the very end, it calls it finally calls him my righteous servant. And so it's some righteous servant, as he's talking about. So point three, this man was despised by many, according to verse three, as verse Jesus was despised by many, and Jesus was rejected by crowd, as they shouted, crucify him. Now, this is prophetic. It says that there, there is a man that was despised by many, and, um, We'll keep going on. Now, maybe at first say, well, how do you know that's talking about Jesus? Well, when I get through the rest of the passage, you'll know exactly why this is talking about Jesus. So, point four, according to verse five, this man was pierced for Israel's transgressions. And this man was crushed for Israel's iniquities. We know that the Passover lamb had on it imputed sins. Now, I'm about to make a point here. That that this man was pierced for someone else's transgressions. Israel's. This man was crushed for Israel's iniquities. So this man is being punished in the place of Israel and is a substitute in the place of Israel. Like the Passover lamb, as we talked about in Exodus chapter 4, was a substitute for my sins and my guilt being laid in the lamb. This is what seemingly this man is a substitute, a human sacrifice substitute. <clears throat> so, um, let me explain imputed sins. When a person was to slay a lamb, the sins of that person was placed onto the lamb through the symbolic act of, a, of the man placing his hands forcefully onto the lamb's head. When the man had, who sinned placed his hand on the lamb then he, that he took to the Levitical priesthood, this meant the man's guilt was imputed, or another way of putting it, transferred into the animal, so that both the man's sin and the guilt that he committed are imputed into the lamb, so that God now considers the lamb as though the lamb committed the sin which the man did. Therefore the lamb is punished by death as guilty and sinful. Therefore, the lamb is a substitute in place of the man. The lamb is judged and condemned guilty instead of the man. 
In verse 5, we are told there is a man pierced and crushed for Israel's sin. We know Jesus was pierced with nails and died on the cross for Israel's sin. Therefore, that a man was foreshadowed as a sacrifice and as a substitute and not an animal is found in Isaiah. Therefore, Christians did not make up the story in religion that Jesus' death on the cross took our punishment and was our substitute and made atonement to the Father. This idea of penal substitutionary atonement is pre-Christian. Now, penal substitutionary atonement is defined how it sounds. Penal refers to penalty. Substitutionary refers to a substitute. And atonement is appeasing an angry God. That's what penal substitutionary atonement means. And so that is a very, very interesting point Isaiah makes. Is that there is a man... As I said, who's going to take and be pierced for Israel's sin. Just like a lamb. Alright? Imputed sin. Uh, impute means to, uh, as I said, if I lay my hands on an animal, that animal is now guilty and is considered to be, have sin in it. In other words, the sin I committed, if I stole $300... That lamb now, because I lay my hand in it, is guilty of stealing three hundred dollars, and so he's punished in the place of me. All right. Point six. Uh, actually, it's point five. All my points are off now. But anyways, hope I don't mess up. If I say point seven, next point is actually point six, and this is point five. But all of them went off. In verse 6, the father lays on him, whoever him is, by the way, the next of all Israel. Now, I believe him is Jesus. So, in verse 6 of Isaiah 53, the father, Yahweh, lays on him the iniquity of all Israel. Again, that's repeated. The iniquity or sins that Israel committed is laid on this man. This means that sin was transferred onto him, him being Jesus. In verse 5, it is referred to the punishment on him. So the laying of iniquity on Jesus Christ is for the purpose of him being punished instead of Israel. This is where we see penal and substitutionary in the Old Testament. That refers to a man and not animal. Now, this is why Jesus, a good man had to die a, a terrible death on the cross. The cross was the worst, one of the worst invented tortures a person could go through. The way they laid them on a the cross, they broke the legs, they had to push on a nail, the excruciating pain of the nail in their le legs, already they're half dead by the amount of blood they lost by being whipped and all their skin shredded off. Then they didn't even look human. Then they, to breathe. They could not breathe unless they push on that nail. And in so much pain. And push on the nail. They could open up the chest. So they could breathe. Pushing their arms. Forcing their arms back. To push themselves up. In the nails. In their um, wrists. 
and the heart over time would lose oxygen because they lost so much blood that for the hours and hours of trying to breathe with all the excruciating pain of pushing on that nail that's through your ankles and through your arms and your blood burning and feel like you're about to have a heart attack because they can't get oxygen because all the blood loss. That is a cross death. It was painful. Why did Jesus have to die such a painful death? Because all humanity's sin, all their sins combined is terrible. If someone committed murder and rape and child molestation and the list goes on and on and on for hours, they deserve to be tortured to death. And therefore because Christ took all mankind's sin and all the earth on him, the Father uh, now considered Jesus guilty of all their sins and had to judge the sins that were placed on Christ in Christ's body. Judging Christ's body and destroying Christ's body on the cross. That's God's wrath against our sin placed on Christ. That might explain why you think, well, why would Jesus have to be crucified? Why did the Father crucify him? That's the reason why. Next point. This man Isaiah talks about was oppressed and was afflicted, but the man never speaks up. Now that's true in the gospel accounts. Isaiah describes this man as a lamb about to be slaughtered, and in verse 8, this man was killed by oppression and judgment. Now this is all prophetic. That Jesus Christ perfectly fulfills this is amazing. This seems referring to, of course, Jesus Christ. Also in verse 8, it states that the man was stricken for the disobedience of Israel. The idea of being punished in place of Israel is found again in this verse. And Jesus was slaughtered on the cross like a lamb was butchered at the altar. Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet actually makes the analogy of, of this man as a lamb led to the slaughter. Again, I'm pointing out that this... Pro now you'll see all the prophecies coming together in Isaiah 53. Next point. In verse 9 we are told that this man was innocent. There was no violence or deceit in his mouth. Yet we are told that Yahweh himself, in verse 10, was pleased. And that's a word given, pleased. Yahweh, the Father, was pleased to bruise this man and cause him to suffer. And make his, this man's soul an offering for sin. Therefore, clearly the idea of a man being made a sacrifice, sin offering, is pre-Christian. Again, this is 150 years before Christianity even existed. We Christians preach that Jesus was sacrificially, was a sacrificial lamb, but we did not make this up. This prophecy from Isaiah so clearly pictured Jesus as our sacrifice, and taking our sins on himself, and taking our place of punishment, and appeasing God's wrath. And this is all I'm trying to prove. My point is kind of the same again, but... The, the penal substitutionary atonement, the, this idea of sacrifice, why so many religions sacrifice to gods, is to appease the wrath of the god. And this, the reason why all the nations have the same types of gods, I mean, they're different gods, but they all want to be sacrificed to. And the idea stems from um, truth, and of course, as truth went out, 
in all the different nations, it kind of changed to fit their culture, and they forgot all the exact ideas and reasons why. And so that's why every religion is similar, but they're different. That explains it. But the idea of 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 God wanting a sacrifice for appeasement of sin is is Judaism. It's pre-Christian, and the idea of a man coming, a Messiah coming, that would be a a like an animal and slaughter for people's sin is also pre-Christian. Again, in verse eleven, scriptures say he bore the sins of Israel. And in verse twelve, this man poured out his life even to his death. And by the way, Isaiah also in this passage I didn't point out um, talks about Jesus being resurrected again, seeing the light of life, even though he died, he would see his prosperity. He would again be alive. So it does predict a resurrection too. So um, it says that he poured out his life even to his death. And again it repeats he bore the sins of many. It says again. So it says again and again and again. There's no way around it. Isaiah clearly states several times he bore the sins of Israel. He took their sins. Therefore, this prophecy predicted a man being killed and pierced for the sins of Israel and being punished as a lamb in the place of Israel that through the knowledge of himself, and he says that, through the knowledge of himself, he would justify many. Justification comes through the knowledge of the Messiah. That's what Isaiah says. All that, you think, was all made up by Paul the Apostle. Or Christians teach that. That was in the Old Testament. The entire Old Testament, as I... As the Isaiah 53, as I'm explaining it, is is now you know where all the ideas came from, at least some of them. Isaiah clearly prophesied and says that the Messiah, through the knowledge of himself, would just by many. Anyone who knows the Christian message knows that this is almost perfectly prophetic in line with the New Testament doctrines. That is a teaching so perfect, so perfect that Christians are told to have made it up after the fact. Um, the Jews don't deny that Isaiah 53 is fitting with the New Testament doctrine because it's so obvious that is why they say Christians made up Isaiah 53. Now, that the Jews agree and have agreed for thousands of years. In Justin Martyr's um, writings, he's from 130 AD, so that's 130 years, about 100 years after Christianity was born. Uh, that's about 1900 years ago roughly Justin Martyr was in a debate with a Jew and a Jew said you Christians made up Isaiah 53 or Justin Martyr says that they they argue that a lot so that's so that's, that lie has been going around for over about 2000 years <laughs> 1900 years alright okay now, we find the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1948 with Isaiah 53 dated from 125 BC and all we find that all the Jews lied. And they now know Isaiah 53 was made by Christians. He predates Christianity. That's very interesting to me. Um... So, 
I end here, and that's all I have on Isaiah 53. There's other prophecies in Isaiah 53. Actually, rich man's death, how he would die, that he would be numbered with transgressors, that he would die between two thieves. Um, that's all perfect. There's lots of stuff Isaiah 53 talks about that I skipped. And, I mean, paint such an exact picture, prophetically, of Jesus Christ, specifically that he would be a, a the penal substitution atonement for all mankind's sins, as Christians preach. Now, tell me, how did Isaiah know? How is it? Do we have a document that so accurately portrayed what the Messiah would do ahead of time when it comes to his death and the purpose of his death and resurrection? How do we have Exodus chapter 12 that says that he would die in Nathan 14 exactly? The strength of the scriptures is when you start adding up all the prophecies, it becomes harder and harder and harder to say that was made by Christians. Christians must have really did a magically good job of putting everything together. It must be a master plan. And so my point is, one prophecy or two prophecies may not be convincing you, and I understand. And you may not fully be convinced that yet that that prophecy proves that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. If you're yet fully, if you're not yet fully convinced that God's word is amazingly detailed in His prophecies, don't quit yet. I want to get more evidence and more prophecies. I want to start building up so many prophecies that it makes you start to think, "My goodness, there's so much detail in just one passage of Exodus 12." So much detail in Isaiah 53. And as I keep on prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, eventually you realize that there's too many prophecies, so much specific things that happen that it couldn't have been foreseen. I could tell you, in 10 years from now, I think inflation will be, you know, terrible. That's pretty reasonable. But to give such specific details, I give you the exact amount, exact time, exact year, the six events that do it, tangers events, and all kinds of details, that's prophecy. In other words, that's impossible for humans to guess details. They can guess general patterns of history, but scripture makes it that it gives exact things. So to end, I want to say I'm not done convincing you yet. Don't give up, but scripture is very detailed, and maybe uh, in the next lesson before I start, I'll give I'll just hit all the exact prophecies went over and give a list and then keep going. Just a fast hit. Um, thank you for listening. May God bless you, and may um, you understand this, and may your faith increase. Amen.